This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Mike Hussain. I'm on the faculty here at the Wharton School with the McNulty Leadership Program, and I have the privilege today of speaking with Dave Neiswander, who is the chief executive of the organization that is the winner of our annual Lippmann Family Prize, which comes with a cash award of $250,000 for his service as CEO of the World Bicycle Relief Organization. So, Dave, great to have you here for a dialogue. Hey, thanks very much, Mike. It's great to be here. Dave, just to get right into it, uh, tell us a little bit about the organization and its origin, and then also bring yourself into it. How did you get involved? Sure. Um, well, we're basically about 14 years old this year and started as a disaster relief uh, to the Indian Ocean tsunami. I don't know if you remember in December 2004, that terrible devastation that took place, and like all of us, sort of looking, what can we do differently? Well, uh, Two brothers and a family sort of came together, and they were the Day family, sort of thinking through what can we do differently. They had started an organization called SRAM Corporation about 30 years ago. SRAM Corporation, if you're not a cyclist, is probably not a household name, but uh, they're the world's second largest and U.S. largest bicycle component manufacturer, making very high-end products for Tour de France-type bikes. And F.K. Day and his wife, Leah, uh, and, the, and the leaders of SRAM said, well, what can we do? We have global operations. Would bicycles make a difference in that disaster recovery? And with that, F.K. and Leah went over to Sri Lanka and, and spent time with development workers and development organizations that were just, just getting started as far as the recovery and then the development. And, and most of them said, no, no, please just send us money. We're fine. Uh, but we did find a partner and, and delivered a program of about 24,000 bicycles. About a third of those went to healthcare workers that were helping with the disaster recovery, a third to students that were reconnecting with school, and a third to uh, entrepreneurs. An example would be a fisherman that was displaced because of the tsunami, now having to reconnect with the marketplace. And from that, it was almost going to be a one and done. But there was a good impact study that was done and said, you know what, this made a huge difference. People with bicycles all of a sudden had better access to healthcare, education, economic opportunities. And what should be done, what happened, unfortunately, the, the 230,000 plus people that perished in the tsunami, well, that happens every six weeks in sub-Saharan Africa based upon preventable disease, hunger, um, and other challenges. And mobility in Africa is a huge challenge. If there's over a half a billion people in sub-Saharan Africa, that are in the rural areas. That means they're primarily walking. And so our first program actually was in Zambia. Uh, it was a program that was funded by the US government combating the HIV ep epidemic. This is back in 2006. And they had a challenge. They had 23,000 volunteer healthcare workers uh, that were going, doing angels work. They're going to their community, going to do home-based care, going to work with orphans and vulnerable children. And they had a challenge because they were walking long distances. And unfortunately, the bicycles that were there in the, in the marketplace just were not a very high quality. And they had those bicycles breaking down. It was a disincentive. The care was not getting out. They need a transportation solution. So the folks that were running that program reached out to FK, and that's sort of when I came on board at the same time. I was actually the first employee down on the ground in Zambia back in 2007 and um, started to implement a program. But what we found was the bicycles readily available, just not of high quality. And so started thinking and designing and, and 
FK, with his background in product development at SRAM Corporation, says, you know what? What we can do is start designing for purpose. We can start looking and taking our expertise at product development that's been used at the high end of the cycling industry, and how can we apply that to the lowest part of the economic pyramid? And with that, we've gone through an evolution uh, with working with what we now call the Buffalo Bicycles. So the heavy-duty bicycle that is uh, about 50 pounds of steel, 50 pounds of love, can hold over 100 kg, 200 pounds on the rear carrier, uh, has a single-speed, durable kickback brake. Um, it's a tool for people to help themselves. So, Dave, that's really interesting because you uh, reference, of course, the famous or infamous earthquake that came out of Indonesia, Aceh, Indonesia. Yeah. As I recall, I think it was a 9.4 uh, record recording earthquake at the time and a, a tidal wave, a tsunami, as it's more properly put, swept throughout the region, wow. reaching uh, Sri Lanka, India, much of Africa as well. And I think uh, from talking with many other organizations and individuals, uh, events of that kind, the earthquake that hit Haiti, the uh, disasters that, uh, uh, say, came in the earth, uh, wake of the earthquake in Japan back in 2011, uh, have uh, had a remarkable impact. Uh, disasters they were, but uh, bringing people into um, taking some kind of action. And now thinking about your own interweaving of your personal biography with that, how, how did you get involved? <laughs> sure. Um, I've been with the organization 12 years, so um, I was actually the first employee on the ground in Zambia, which is where we did our first program. And, and my background was growing up, going to business school, uh, went on and did a 15-year career in investment banking and, and primarily focusing on how to take banks public. And with that, realizing at 15 years and facing down 40, thinking, well, you know what? Maybe I need to be doing something different with my life. Maybe I need to mm -hmm. sort of look at something of impact. And at that time, I, I fortuitously met FK and his wife, Lee, on a safari in Kenya, randomly. And with that chance meeting, got to learn more about the organization and was really intrigued. And a series of circumstances, opportunities happened. And I got to Zambia, and what I saw was, one, the great need, the, the, the issue of distance, the issue of people having to travel, and when their primary mode of transportation is by foot, how can that be overcome? And then looking and, and listening to FK, who is a leader in the bicycle industry, saying, I think I, I think I know how we can work on this. And so we have a motto as all answers are found in the field. Mm -hmm. And so spending lots of time with the people on the ground and listening to them and seeing where that opportunity to take the top-end product development that FK and SRAM Corporation brought and giving a voice to those at the bottom of the economic pyramid, I was just inspired. So within that first trip to Zambia, I actually moved there within six weeks, went on a sabbatical from my investment bank, and, and again, that was 12 years later. So I was about 10 years in Africa, sort of setting up our programs and operations, looking at country expansion, program expansion, uh, and then recently came back to the U.S. to uh, take on the role of CEO. Dave, in a sense, I think you're in the best tradition of development of efforts, and that is to listen to the people on the ground that your effort is intended to benefit. Sure. And that's been uh, a thought around uh, in the work of the World Bank, of U.S. Agency for International Development, and many foundations taken more seriously by some than others. But as you listen to those in the field, as you were looking or your founder was looking to somehow assist people in this particular region, I think Zambia is where you first got going. Yeah. Uh, why did the issue of bicycles come up? I mean, how, how did that 
that particular need become articulated to uh, what to your founder and then sure. as you heard it as well? We were approached by a large um, U.S. government-funded organization um, program that was actually combating HIV and AIDS. And so this is back in 2005, 2006. And they were training and, and, and putting together an army, basically, of volunteer health care workers that were treating people with HIV and AIDS. And they were doing home-based care and caring for the over million orphans that were created because of that pandemic in, in Zambia alone. And they had a challenge. They had 23,000 of these volunteer healthcare workers that were having to travel long distances to go to do the, the important work they were doing in the home-based care and caring for these orphans. And unfortunately, the bicycles that were readily available, because bicycles are part of the culture in, the, in, in Zambia and, and must, most, most of Sub-Saharan Africa, were of very poor quality. And so these bicycles mm -hmm. We affectionately call them bicycle-shaped objects, or BSOs. <laughs> These BSOs simply are not up to the challenging terrain and condition that, that are found there. The uh, suppliers of them have become completely disconnected from that end user. And so with that and, and the cheapening of the design, um, the bicycles fall apart. Literally, as you ride these bicycles, pedals break off, wheels collapse. They simply don't work. And so that's where they came to us and said, is there a way you can help? Is there a way you can look at uh, potentially uh, helping us overcome this challenge of distance? And FK you know, took in his product development background, took the best of the bicycles of the, that he could find in the marketplace um, and said, well, let's test these out in doing testing protocols. And what he found is that they failed pretty quickly. So he said, well, what we can do is sort of take the best of the worst and start building on that. And that's really the evolution of our bicycle. We call it the Buffalo bicycle. Um, that is a heavy duty, 50 pounds of love. There's a lot of steel in that and, and can hold over 200 pounds on the rear carrier. So having a reliable tool for people to help themselves, to be empowered, to make their own ch decisions, to change their own world is really our mission. They are very different from biking in, let's say, the United States. Uh, you're probably a biker. I'm a biker. Yeah, it's recreational. Yeah. Kind of grew up with it as a kid. Right. Uh, loved to watch the Tour de France. And right. bicycles, in that sense, in, in the West are often uh, an object of, of leisure, of fun, of recreation, of, of sporting. You've just made the point that in, in some settings, bicycles are the necessity. Yeah, absolutely. There's over half a billion people in sub-Saharan Africa that are living in the rural context. That means that walking is their primary mode of transportation. So when you're trying to take your sick child to the clinic and that clinic is 10 miles away, you're walking there all day to get to that child to the clinic. Or if you're a student, you're having to walk seven miles to get to school one way. And you're an adolescent girl and there's safety concerns in that. You know, having a bicycle is really a life changer, let alone any person that started a business or knows about, you know, building up as an entrepreneur. Transportation's often part of that process. And so if you're transporting your produce to the market, maybe not the markets that's the closest, but maybe that market that's a little further away, but there's better prices there. All those things are, are coming together. And that's why it's interesting working in this field of development, because really bicycles are cross-sectorial. Dave, I've got a couple questions on your business model, to use a, a business term here. Let's start with the funding. How, how do you put together cash to buy the bicycles? Sure. It's, it's sort of interesting. I mean, we sort of started off, as I said, as a disaster 
response. And so we got a wonderful response from SRAM Corporation, the other uh, industry um, leaders in, in, in uh, from Trek, from Specialized, from Cannondale, working with Giant Bicycles, Tata Bicycles, all those people coming together to help us with that initial response and, and continuing assistance. Um, and then individuals, cyclists. So we've, we've sort of grown up with grassroots mm -hmm. fundraising. Um, where we've um, sort of evolved into, though, as we've studied the impact of our programs and started to be able to do research and sort of show that actually with a bicycle, a girl is 28% more likely to have improved attendance and 59% improvement in her academic performance. A farmer can carry and increase his income by 23% using a buffalo bicycle to carry his milk to the, to the dairy. So all those things, as we start getting those information, we're now starting to, you know, engage more major donors as well as institutions, and really highlighting the issue of distances and, and transportation. What became interesting when we first started delivering the improved bicycles, the Buffalo bicycles, into our programs, what we found is people started knocking on our door. People started saying, "Hey, I've seen your bicycle in the field. It's better than anything else that's out there." I want that bicycle. I want that bicycle for my healthcare program. I want that bicycle because I'm a farmer and I see how strong it is. I want that bicycle to take my kids to school. How can I buy one? Now, FK and I sort of scratched our heads and looked at each other and said, okay, well, what do we do with this? We, as a small nonprofit, we weren't prepared to fund those philanthropically through donations, but there was a strong demand out there. So we worked with some very good attorneys and Deloitte and making sure, you know, as far as the IRS, and we came up with a very innovative structure where we have World Bicycle Relief, the nonprofit that owns 100% of Buffalo Bicycles, the for-profit entity. And so Buffalo Bicycles sells bicycles to nonprofit organizations that are doing development work in healthcare, education. Some of our big um, partners, customers are UNICEF, uh, World Vision, Care International, um, those type of organizations that realize that mobility and having a strong bicycle in their program actually helps them achieve their goals and, and helps improve their key performance indicators, to use another business term. Um, but what we're seeing is more and more individuals are purchasing our bicycle because it's an interesting design challenge. When you think about when you're serving this bottom of the economic pyramid, we could have gone off and designed a very fancy and a very strong bicycle at, let's say, $350. Okay, that's a reasonable price for a good bicycle here in the U.S. Well, that's not meeting the customer where they are. That's not serving the markets that we were serving. And so working within the constraints of engineering, product development, existing supply change, making sure that our bicycle is also compatible with the existing spare parts that are readily available, it's a really interesting design challenge. And so, again, taking that top-end product development knowledge that comes from SRAM Corporation and FK, and how can we apply that to give a voice to that bottom-of-the-market consumer? We've actually just started opening up over the last 18 months retail outlets, and, and these are Buffalo Bicycle Shops, small little shops, um, right there on the main drag in, in different regional towns throughout Zambia, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Malawi, and we're seeing great uptake. We're seeing that individuals, when given a choice, when given a voice, they will go for the Buffalo Bicycle. It's really interesting, Dave, in the sense that it sounds like you're a bit of a hybrid between 
a purely philanthropic driven organization where you have the product that people need and you'll give it to them. Mm -hmm. uh, often what happens in, in immediate relief after a disaster, the Red Cross comes in and, and whatever's required is given away to those much in need, but you're also letting the market speak a bit. Mm -hmm. So those who have a real need for a bike at an affordable price point are able to walk in and get what they really couldn't get from any any other provider in the region. Does that sound about right? It does. It's it's interesting. Well, first of all, with with FK's background, with SRAM Corporation, my business background, we really sort of approached the whole organization, the growth of the organization, is how can we apply best business practices to development? And one of the first things with best business practices is know your customer, know your environment. And I think there's a challenge with a lot of development programs and, and organizations, a lot of times it's top down. You know, we have an idea that we think we should implement. Our motto of all answers are found in the field. And so you go and you understand and be empathetic to those customers, where they are, what their needs are, and you, and you give them a voice. And so I think that's the difference in, in what we're trying to achieve. To make it uh, kind of a personal moment, if I'm in, uh, let's make it the capital of Malawi, mm -hmm. Lalongwe, yeah. and I'm thinking I could really use a bike in this region because I'm doing some back roads uh, looking at some of the agricultural yeah. development projects. Uh, can I walk into a bike shop and buy one of your bikes? You can. You can. We have actually two outlets in Lalongwe. Uh, currently a Buffalo Bicycle standalone shop, which is in the main shopping area of uh, Lalongwe, as well as our assembly facility. And to give our listeners and viewers and readers a, a sense for what it means to buy that product in the capital of Malawi, mm -hmm. uh, you can walk into stores near here, buy uh, cycle shops near here, and spend a couple thousand dollars and even much more for an extremely high-end uh, road bike. Right. Uh, what's, what's your average retail price for the, sure. the needy? Yeah, in the long way, it's about $145. Um, it varies by different countries because of the different cost of transportation and import tax and duties that are unfortunately put on the bicycles as they come in. Um, so about $145, which when we compare to the bicycle-shaped objects is often twice the amount of what they are. And so it was a real question for us. It was really an open question of will this value proposition of quality and price be the right fit for that marketplace? And so what we really were going out to try to figure out is, is this going to work? Is, is this really going to be something that we can be driven? But that's what we found is, in fact, we, it is. It's the right value proposition for that market. And I'm thinking among the distinctive features is probably a couple gears, um, not hydraulic brakes, <laughs> and a very big carrier on the back wheel. Well, we're working on gears. That's the big challenge, quite frankly. We have to... It's expensive and not big. A derailleur, which is your typical you know, change, it, there's a lots of issues with that. First of all, it's very vulnerable out there as you're out there clunking around and, and, and doing different things. And again, the terrain and conditions, we, we have a saying also that uh, Africa probes for weakness. So when you have open me mechanics like that, let alone the cable and housing to get to that activator, that's, that's, that's vulnerable. And um, so what we have actually is standardized is a coaster hub. So it's a contained hub that's sealed, that's a kickback brake. So the braking system and the drivetrain is all sort of contained within that rear hub. What we're working on is how do we get multiple drivetrain that's reliable, repairable, durable 
in that context, that's built for that context. And actually we have top engineers around the world focused on that advanced product development to create a new category of product that's for this marketplace. David, last question about your business model. Uh, I'm a, a, a Malawi farmer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of cash after I sell my crop, but I don't yeah. have a penny right now. So can I make this a uh, some kind of uh, GE capital kind of loan to get me going? <laughs> and can I borrow the money? Yeah, absolutely. We sort of talk about sort of a, a three-legged stool, if that makes sense, as far as reaching this consumer, we want to have one, the right product. So the product and the right quality value proposition. Secondly, we have to have the distribution. So making sure that we have the shops that are out there, making it accessible as it relates to physical locations. Um, third, it has to be sort of financial accessibility. And so we have programs of microfinance. We partner with microfinance organizations. We have layaways where you sort of pay as you go <clears throat> so they can pay for the bicycles over three to six months. Great. Yeah. Let's think about the future. I think you cited earlier on reaching some 400,000 recipients so far. Let's take it five years forward. It's yeah. now 2024. Wow. What, what's your target number? <laughs> I think we're going to be in the millions of bicycles at that point. I think part of what we're doing is, one, raising the awareness of the challenge of distance and the fact that the quality bicycle can really help overcome that barrier of distance. So I think we're going to get more and more. We want to be the mobility solution within larger development organizations. And so spending time with development leaders that are doing programs in healthcare, education, how can we be a mobility solution to help them out? But I think this, mm -hmm. this individual market, this, you know, there, as I said, over a half a billion people living in the rural areas in sub-Saharan Africa alone, that are looking to, um, that are most likely walking as their primary mode of transportation. And with that, a bicycle could be really helpful. Yeah. A quality bicycle make a difference. And I think we'll also be expanding outside of uh, Sub-Saharan Africa and be looking at other areas in South America. We've done programs in Southeast Asia as well. Uh, those 450,000 bicycles are into 19 countries. So Dave, to borrow a phrase, from zero to a million in just a few years, <laughs> and from your experience looking back, you've been there pretty much from the start. Yeah. For those who are interested in becoming involved in, in this world, not necessarily bikes, but providing uh, services and everything else that uh, is much needed in many regions of the world, including obviously microfinance, what are a couple of the kind of experience founded principles that you operate on now that others could make use of? Sure, that's a great question. Uh, I think looking at, you know, listening to best practices and development that would include uh, focusing on the field, having a field focus versus having a focus that um, is about following the money. So I think it's important for us to sort of think through and make sure that um, we are listening to the end user and making sure that we are also working in collaboration. Uh, we have a model of partnership. Um, so our model doesn't work unless there's a partnership in the field and with the communities that we work with, as well as other leading non nonprofit organization, development organizations, as well as the government. So we're working closely with the ministries of education and the ministry of health. So it's a collaborative effort. I think, you know, the focus that we've also, you know, our, our, our what I would say our flagship or, our program is focusing on girls' education. And girls in that area uh, in the developing world have the toughest time of any demographic, clearly. 
Um, and so educating girls truly helps break that cycle of poverty and disease. And so what we found with our program, providing a bicycle, which in that context, in the rural context of Sub-Saharan Africa, that bicycle is gonna be the most valuable asset in that household. All of a sudden you tie that girl's education to that most valuable asset, it changes her negotiating power. It allows her to have a voice in what her future looks like. So we're really excited to see that. We actually have a randomized control trial study that's coming out uh, by Innovations for Poverty Action and uh, it's showing great uh, improvement as it relates to not only educational outcomes, but also girls' empowerment outcomes. A final question for you. As the recipient of the 2019 Lippmann Family Prize, a check of $250,000 uh, is in your hands, and as you think about its immediate application, nothing to be written down here, but just <laughs> thinking out loud. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what do you intend to, I don't know, leverage with that or make happen now that you have it? Well, first of all, we're very grateful for the Lippmann Family Prize as well as, um, you know, this awesome opportunity to engage with the University of Pennsylvania community. So we're very excited about that. As it relates to the financial um, gift, we're very grateful and, and excited to be able to expand our impact and, and deliver more bicycles to students, to healthcare workers, to create the availability for entrepreneurs, um, it really goes a long way. So we're very excited about that. It's great. For somebody who'd like to find out more about your operation, where would they go? Sure. We have a great website. Choose check us out at www.worldbicyclerelief.org. Dave, thanks for joining us today. This has been great. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.